haven't met before, my name is John. I am one of the volunteers on the senior leadership team here at the church, and I want you to know that we are glad that you're here today. Today is the final day of our teaching series called Reach. And as we've been going through this series, the reason that we have been going through this series, in fact, we have been talking about and reminding ourselves that God reaches the people around us through us. And if you're here today and you don't consider yourself to be a Christian, I want you to know, first of all, that we're glad you're here. And second of all, that you're totally off the hook. You do not have to tell people about Jesus if you're not a Christian. I mean, you can if you want to, but you don't have to. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're actually commanded by Jesus himself to share the good news about him with other people. And so over the last four weeks, we've been talking a lot about that. The very first Sunday, Pastor Todd talked about embracing this call that we have to share the good news with others. He talked about being intentional about sharing with others, and he talked about trusting God with the results. Now in the second week, Pastor Peter talked about what it means to be different, what it means to live our lives in such a way that other people notice that we're not like the rest of the world, and even to the point, and this, this was the hard part in his message, even to the point of being a blessing to those people who treat us badly. Because that's what Jesus is like. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to be like Jesus. Now in the third week, which was Father's Day, Pastor Michael talked about what it means to have faith, to believe that God wants to reach the people around you and will use you to reach those people. And last week, Pastor Todd talked about on a really practical level, what does it mean for us to be able to share that with others? And he talked about simply sharing the story of what God has done in your life with other people. And, and as we were going through this whole series, one of the questions that I began to ask myself is knowing that I'm called to do this as a follower of Jesus, knowing that Jesus himself commands me to reach out and share my faith with other people, why then don't we do it? Now, if you're a new as a Christian, maybe some of the teaching that we've been going through is something that you've never heard before. Maybe we highlighted some scriptures that you're not familiar with, and maybe some of what we've covered in this last four weeks is brand new, and you're raring to go and apply it to your life. But if you have been a Christian for any length of time, probably there isn't anything that we covered in the last four weeks that's new to you. It's a fantastic reminder of things you already know. And yet, when I reflect on my own life, I have to ask myself the question, knowing that I'm called to share my faith with others is different than actually doing it, and why don't I do it? Why don't I reach out to other people and have those conversations about Jesus? Now, when I was a kid and I went to Sunday school, Sunday school teachers told us, you're supposed to share your faith with people that don't know Jesus. So I went to school and I told people about Jesus. I asked if they knew Jesus and I offered to pray with them to invite Jesus into their heart. And there was one day where I was the last kid packing up my backpack after school and it was just me and my grade one teacher, Mrs. Reed. And so I looked over at Mrs. Reed and I said, Mrs. Reed, are you a Christian? She said, well... I suppose so. And I said, oh, you must not be a Christian then, because if you were a Christian, you would know so. She said, well, Jonathan, maybe that's something that you should talk to your mom and dad about. 
And I said, I don't need to talk to my mom and dad about that. If you had asked Jesus to forgive your sins and to come live inside your heart, you would know that you had done that. You know, the Bible says in John 3.16 that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And if you had prayed to ask Jesus into your heart and forgive your sins, you would know that you were a Christian. Mrs. Reed looked at me and said, I think it's time for you to go home now. As a kid, you don't realize that it's not common in our society to go around sharing what you believe with other people. Those people are considered to be weirdos, unless it's on social media. And then apparently, you can just do whatever you want, and you don't have to talk to people face to face. Right? But there's certain cultural norms, and we don't want to come across as strange or weird. And maybe that's one of the reasons for you why you hesitate in sharing your faith. But as I began to reflect on this series, and as I began to ask myself that hard question, why aren't I reaching out to people? Why aren't I having those conversations about Jesus? I felt like the Holy Spirit downloaded an answer that was a little bit hard for me to accept. And and the reason for me is this. That the reason I don't share my faith more often is because usually I'm not focused on other people. I'm I'm usually focused on myself. It's not that I don't interact with other people. I see other people at work. I see other people in my neighborhood. I, I see other people at my kids' school and, of course, as a part of this incredible faith community that we call home. And yet, even as I interact with those people, often what I'm thinking about is still me. Because I have a lot of things going on in my life. You know, I I have a full-time job. I often work overtime and extra hours at that job. I have a family. I'm married. I have two children. I volunteer. I volunteer here at this church on the leadership team, on the music team. And every once in a while, they even let me come up on stage and teach. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life. And and as I go through my day-to-day activities, I'm thinking about what I need to do, what I've got to do, the goals that I have, the things that I want, the things that I need for my family. Whatever's going on in my life is what I'm preoccupied with. And even as I interact with other people, I'm not thinking about them. I'm usually thinking about me. And I came to this realization that as long as my focus is on me, I will never reach people with God's love. I know that God reaches the people around us through us. I know it, but it's different than me walking it out in my day-to-day life. And maybe, maybe you can resonate with some of the things that I'm saying. Maybe you recognize that tendency in yourself. In fact, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that there's a problem in our world with self-centeredness and self-focus because it's a worldwide problem. In fact, it's the reason that we have broken relationships. It's the reason we have greed. It's the reason why we have big corporations that put profits ahead of the environment or people's health. It's because there's a problem with selfishness in our broken world. If there wasn't selfishness, there'd be no crime. If there wasn't selfishness, there'd be no broken marriages. There'd be no single-parent families. This is a worldwide problem, and I know as a follower of Jesus that the solution is a change in people's hearts where Jesus comes and transforms people, and yet even knowing that, it's so easy for my life to be about me. 
my problems, my needs, my wants, me, me, me. And so as we close our series on reaching people, the question that I want us to examine today is how do we overcome this preoccupation with ourselves? How do we break this off of us so that we can be those people we know God has called us to be, knowing that God reaches the people around us through us? So that we can be those people who are reaching out and sharing God's love. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. In fact, as you go through the pages of the Bible, you will find a lot of stories about people that got this wrong. People who were self-centered and did things their own way, trying to accomplish their own will. And the result was broken relationships, hurt people, and ultimately, it hindered their relationship with God. That's, it's called sin. And today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at a passage of Scripture where Jesus himself shows us the key essential ingredient in what it will take for us to overcome this preoccupation with ourselves. And it's found in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. If you have a Bible or a smartphone with a Bible on it, you can turn there with me. Matthew, chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 35. We're going to read to verse 40. But I want to give you just a little bit of context as we do this. In this passage of scripture, we get to this point, Jesus has been interacting with some of the religious leaders of his day. There was a couple of different groups. One were called the Pharisees and one were called the Sadducees. They often didn't get along. They didn't have the same theology, but they were very well-educated people. They were the religious ed- people of his day. And it's interesting to note that the people that Jesus usually had a conflict with were the religious people. It wasn't the ordinary average people. It wasn't the people that knew they were far from God. It was the people that thought they had it all together. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, those very religious people. And as people who are followers of Jesus, I think it's important that we pay very close attention to that because it says a lot about the things that you and I need to be paying attention to in the scriptures. So here we have an expert in the religious law, and he's going to try and ask Jesus a question because he wants to try and make Jesus look foolish. So this is where we're going to pick it up in verse 35. It says, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Verse 36, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus is asked by this expert in the religious law, what's the most important thing in all the scripture? What's the most important command? He was trying to trap Jesus. He wanted to see what Jesus was going to say. And first of all, Jesus answers, he says, you must love the Lord your God with everything that you are. And he even mentions specific things. He says, with all your heart. He's talking about our our emotions. He says, with all your soul. He's talking about the deepest part of our spiritual being, the part of us that's eternal. And he says, with all your mind, with our intellect, there isn't any part of us that we are not to completely love God with in our lives. The God who made the heavens and the earth, 
the God who sustains life, the one who provides every good thing and looks after all of our needs. This is the God that Jesus is proclaiming that we must love with every part of who we are. Do you ever have one of those moments where, and, and I know for me, sometimes it kind of catches me off guard, one of those moments where you recognize how incredible God is. Let, let, let me give you an example. Last summer, my family and I, we were on a road trip. We were traveling through BC. We were driving all the way out to the coast. And there came this point where we had to stop. Now, I didn't want to stop because I was trying to get to our destination. I was trying to get to where we were going, and I didn't want it to be late. And yet there was these people, these small people that live with us. They were in my car. And they had to go to the bathroom again. So we had to pull over and stop and let everybody use the bathroom, which disrupts the schedule that we were on. And I remember getting out of the car, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh my goodness. I looked out at the most incredible vista where there was huge soaring mountains covered with forest and trees and a valley down below and a waterfall. And it was like, oh, my goodness. It's just one of those moments where it caught me off guard and you realize like how incredible God is and how creative God is. That, that he made this planet and he made it so beautiful for our enjoyment and for our benefit. You know, we, we still don't fully understand even every part of how the human body functions. There's organs, they don't know why we have them. Even with all of the incredible knowledge and expertise of the medical community, there's still things we just don't know. You know, when, they, when they're looking at, scientists are looking at all of the, the animals and the diversity of insects and species in the world, they are still discovering new animals. Did you know that? One of the last times that I was at the zoo with my kids, I came across a pen, and you know they have the little plaque, and I looked down at the plaque, and I read it, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is. And then I looked at the animal that was in the pen, and I was like, I've never seen that before. And I looked back at the plaque, and I was like, I guess it's one of, and my kids are like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know, I can't even pronounce this word. <laughs> They're still discovering new animals. Did you know that scientists don't even really know how deep the ocean is or what's at the bottom? Think of all the advances in technology and medicine and everything else, and yet there's so much we still don't know. We don't know that much about even our own galaxy. Did you know that the sun, our sun, that gives us energy and light, the sun that, that the earth rotates around, the sun is one of 400 billion stars in our galaxy. Doesn't that make you kind of feel small? <laughs> and yet this God who created it all, who is all-powerful, chooses to have relationship with us and went so far as to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that when we place our faith and our trust in him, God no longer sees our sin, no longer sees our brokenness, but he sees instead the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and that allows us to walk in relationship with him every single day. Isn't it incredible that that's the God we serve? And Jesus says the most important command in all the scripture is for us to love him with every part of who we are. And as we place our faith and our trust in Jesus, he does a transformational work in our hearts. And that brings me to the second thing that Jesus said. 
Now, some translations, they actually say that the second command is like the first. The New Living Translation we read today goes as far as to say that the second command is equally as important as the first. And that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not sort of love our neighbor, but love our neighbor in the way that we're looking out for their needs and their wants in the same way that we look after ourselves. And we're pretty good at looking after ourselves. So why is that? Why are these two things linked together? Well, why does Jesus say that these commands are linked together and they're the two most important things? The reason is this, because when you and I love the people around us, we are demonstrating to God that we love Him. When we love the people around us, we're showing God that we love Him because we're emulating Him. We're being like Him. He loves the people around us more than we do. And when we love those people, we are reflecting God in us. Think about this even in in terms of Jesus. Jesus was the closest person in terms of his relationship with God than anyone who ever walked the earth. No one before him was closer with God and no one since Jesus has ever been closer with God than Jesus was. And Jesus loved people so much that he was willing to die for them because of his relationship with God. His relationship with God was so close that he was constantly taking the focus off himself and giving it over to God, and the overflow of that was his obedience to God the Father to love people enough to die for them. And for you and I as followers of Jesus, it's important for us to look at our own lives because if we claim that we love God, And that's not overflowing into a love for the people around us, then something's wrong. If we claim that we're Christians and we love God and we've surrendered our lives to God, but the overflow of that isn't an overwhelming heart and love for the people around us, then we're lying to ourselves. We are called to be like Jesus. And the natural result of us serving God with everything that we are is going to be an overflow of love for other people where we're looking out for them, where we're serving them, where we're being a blessing to them, where we're sharing what we have with them, where we're talking about what God has done in our life because we want the same for them. Now that's a lot easier to say and talk about, and stand up here and even preach about, than it is to actually do, isn't it? It's it's one thing for us to talk about all these great things. I mean, all of the messages in this series have been good. I heard them all. They were compelling. They were biblical. They were well presented. And yet it's a totally different thing for us to actually walk those things out and reach out to the people around us. And so on a practical level, what does that even look like? Well, first of all, it starts with us making that decision that we are going to put God first in our lives. That we're going to give over every part of ourselves, surrender every part of our lives to him, holding nothing back. The way that Jesus described it, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Some translations even add with all of our strength. 
that we would serve God with everything that we are, that we would surrender to him, that we would take that step to say, Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you, and I want you to come and change me and mold me into the person that you've called me to be. And that leads us to the the second part of this on a very practical level is to simply ask God to give you his heart for people. See, sometimes when we we talk about things like sharing our faith or really anything else in church, sometimes at the end of the preaching, the solution is basically like, you should just try harder, right? Just try harder, okay? You know what you're supposed to do, just try harder. And that's not what I'm talking about here today. What I'm talking about here today is a transformation supernaturally of your heart where God gives you his heart for people and the overflow of your relationship with God and your commitment to him is a love for the people around you. Knowing that God reaches the people around us through us, I hope that your heart today is to ask Jesus to come And change you and give you his love for people because God cares so much about the people around you. And he wants to reach those people through you. But it will never happen as long as we're focused on ourselves. And so we have to ask God to help us, to supernaturally empower us by his Holy Spirit. Because in our own strength, we're not going to do it. It's too easy for us to simply go through our day-to-day life and focus on our own needs and our own wants and our own struggles. Twelve years ago, my wife and I were looking at possibly building a new house. And so we were visiting show homes. I don't know how many of you like going through show homes. I love going through show homes. Even when I was a little kid, my parents, sometimes on a Sunday after church, we would go to the show home parades. I think in part because they gave out like free lunch. They would give out hot dogs at the show home parades. So my parents would go. We'd look through the houses. We'd get free lunch. Nobody had to cook anything or think about what we were doing for lunch. But we were going through show homes. We were looking at all these different homes in different parts of the city. We were looking at all these different options and pricing things out. And there was one show home where we immediately connected with the sales guy. He was just one of those people that's a people person. He's one of those people that immediately puts you at ease. He was really likable. And we sat down and we started talking with him about the different options that were available, the pricing, the lots, all those kind of things. And of course, during the course of that conversation, one of the questions that he asked was, you know, what do you do for a living? And at the time, I was working at a, as a pastor here at this church. I had just started out in full-time ministry. And he looked at me when I told him that I was a pastor, and this huge smile like spread right across his face. And he said, I'm a Christian too. He said, not, not only did Jesus save me, but God actually literally saved my life. I was like, oh, oh well, can, tell me about that. What, 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 what do you mean? He was like, well... He's like, I was planning on killing myself, and God stopped me. Oh, I mean, now he really had my attention. I was like, oh, can, can you share a little bit more? Like, what, what happened here? He said, well, he said, I was in my mid-20s. He said, it seemed like life was just, couldn't get any better. He said, I was married to the love of my life. I had good friends. I had a good job. We had a little baby boy. He said, things were good. He said, and then everything fell apart. He said, I found out that my wife had been having an affair with my best friend. And she told me that she was moving out 
and she was moving in with him. He said the divorce proceedings were super messy. He said because I was the primary breadwinner, I ended up paying alimony and child support. She got the house. She got custody of our child. I only saw him on the weekends. He said I ended up living in this crummy little apartment by myself, and I got more and more depressed every day and eventually decided life is not worth living. He said I, I managed to buy a gun, and I sat down on my couch with the gun in front of me, I wrote a suicide note, I loaded the gun, and I put the gun up to my head, and just before I pulled the trigger, I just threw out this random prayer to a God I didn't even know if he existed, and I said, God, if you're real, you better show me right now. He said, in that exact moment, the phone rang. He's like, Jesus, is that you? And he picks up the phone, And it's a guy that he had only met just a couple weeks earlier. And this guy said, you know, this might sound a little weird. I know we don't know each other really well. But I really felt like God told me I had to call you right now. Do you want to go get a coffee with me? Wow. I mean, this is one of those stories that if I heard another preacher tell it, I would be like, somebody made that up. If I hadn't heard it from him directly, if he hadn't been the one telling me, I wouldn't have believed it. And yet here he was standing in front of me, sharing how God had saved his life. And he went for coffee with that guy that he barely knew. And he decided that he would place his faith in Jesus and he became a Christian. Imagine though if that guy that called him was so focused on himself and the things he was doing that he hadn't made that phone call. Because when my focus is on me, I will never reach the people around me with God's love. But through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and that connection with God the Father, he was able to be obedient And be sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit said, make a phone call, he made the phone call. And God wants to use every single one of you here today in the exact same way. He wants you to be someone who is connected with him, who has surrendered to him. And the overflow of that is that you would reach out and love the people around us because God reaches the people around you through you. Isn't it incredible how much God loves us and that he wants to use us to be his hands and feet? Let me pray for you today. God, we are so grateful that you love us. And we're thankful for the call that we have on our lives to become like Jesus, to walk in relationship with you, and to walk in relationship with other people. God, would you give us your heart for people today? God, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit? God, would you break off the selfishness? Would you break off the preoccupation with our own lives? And would you give us your heart for people? God, we know that you love people and we want to be those people that can be used by you to reach the people around us. God, would you give us your heart today by your Holy Spirit? Jesus, would you come and transform us? 
We need you, God. We can't do it in our own strength. God, we need your supernatural love to come and fill us and change us and overflow out of us to the people around us every single day. We look to you now, God. We invite your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name.